and welcome to another episode of Chatting Rabbis. This is Eliezer Zalmanov in Munster, Indiana, and I've uh, been having a very hard time nailing down my cousin in Istanbul for uh, this episode. Mendy, what's going on? Yeah, it's hard to nail down people when they're running in the snow. So I'm Mendy Hitrick from Istanbul, Turkey, snow down Istanbul, Turkey. We had an unexpected um, weather storm here, which um, sort of locked down the airport or the airports and uh, tens of thousands of people ended up uh, crowding the airport. Flights were not going out. People are all over the city. I just got a call now from a guy who uh, was en route from New York to Israel and his plane was rerouted to a city called uh, Trabzon, which is in north of Turkey. Um, he is getting married two days later. Supposed to get married two days later, maybe his what? His bride will get married. Not sure if he's gonna make it. So yeah, so he's stranded and he's all uh, nervous. Um, so you say surprise? Is that something that's not typical? You don't get this kind of weather? It's not typical. It does happen from time to time that we get a big snowstorm. Um, it has not happened in the past uh, two three years. Uh, but the. Even if it would have happened, the travel was not so uh, dense during Corona time. Now the travel is back, is back, and Turkish Airlines is uh, again traveling and uh, taking uh, hundreds and thousands of people every day through Istanbul Airport. Many people are already flying, and um, yeah, snowstorm like that, the freak snowstorm, which people were not expecting. Uh, yeah, we were told there would be a snowstorm with two, three, uh, one inch or two inches of snow. It ended up to be quite high and quite disruptive and quite cold. And um, we had the, our, our house today was, was an open house. I mean, people called me, um, you know, for past uh, 36 hours. People are calling. They want food. They need this. They need that. People think that I live in Turkey is a little place that they, I could just deliver food from every corner. But I cannot move my car out because it's really, really dangerous. Very slippery out in my house. I did tell people that if they want to come to my house, they're more than welcome. We put up a huge pot of soup. At the same time, my wife got stuck in... She was in the Chabad Women Conference in New York. She's not here. She got stuck in New York, stranded. She can't come. She can't land in Istanbul. Anyway, so um, put up a huge pot of soup with uh, good meat. And anybody wanted to come, made his way here and we fed today. I don't know, 20, 30, 40 people came. They had some wow. good hot... Good, hot we played a soup in the cold, um, drank a few bottles of wine. People enjoy themselves. So we're not going to make this a third episode about the Jewish travelers that get stuck in Istanbul. But I find it funny that a whole country can get shut down by a snowstorm. I'm looking outside my window now, and we have a foot of snow on the ground. And it's about zero degrees Fahrenheit. But life goes on when, when, uh, when you're equipped for it, when you're set up for it. Then <laughs> when you're equipped for it, when you set up for it, when the government invests enough, because you, you often get the snow, so the government you know, uh, invests money in runways that get them, the, that the snow gets melted immediately, whatever it is. Here we're not equipped for it because it doesn't happen that often. Um, but yeah, it happens from time to time. And it happened this week and it happened today. And we still have so many people getting stuck. But you know, that's life. Life of a Chabad Shaliach somewhere in the world is always there to try to help another Jew. So that's what we're trying to do. That's what we try to do. That's what we always uh, strive to do. Sometimes we're better at it than others. And sometimes we get upset. You remember we, we, got, we got quite upset about it. Somebody said it was my most, the most animated episode that we had. Anyway. Yeah, right. Let me ask you a question. Um, many years ago, I, uh, I remember that you used to do uh, Ask Moses. 
Ask Moses was a website that uh, was set up by Chabad of California where uh, people would log on and have a live chat. That's when uh, instant messaging was a new thing. And they would have a live chat with a rabbi or a rabbitson. Mm-hmm. And uh, you did that for a few years, if I recall, right? I think I was also the first, the first uh, responding rabbi in AskTheRabbiInChabad.org. And right, so w- eventually I think Ask, Ask Moses petered out and, and AskTheRabbiInChabad.org uh, kind of took over. I, d- I do that now regularly, spend several hours a week answering questions that people send in to Ask the Rabbi. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's very fulfilling for me because it helps me think. It helps me interact with people that I uh, wouldn't meet and interact with regularly. You know, that's in addition to uh, social media and technology today in general helps you interact with people that you wouldn't necessarily be involved with or learn from even. But uh, being able to answer questions from people around the world was very, very fulfilling for me. And maybe I'll share some stories soon, but I'm curious about how how you did. I, I also did Ask Moses for a short while, and I, I, fa- I found it very... Uh, very challenging to juggle real-time questions, especially if you're the only one or one of two people answering questions at that moment, and you have 10 or 20 people logging in at the same time needing attention. Yeah, we, uh, listen, I, I was asked to become part of the Ask Moses team. Um, I was living in Israel at the time, so me and my wife were living in Israel. And at first I was on at the dead hours because I was doing morning, morning times and morning hours in Israel, which was midnight in America, not too many people. But then it started to become very, very tense. It did take some time. We had to juggle, I think, between five to seven conversations at the same time. I really Now when I, uh, when I chat with uh, people on Bank of America or any other website, I understand what, uh, what's behind that chatting bot. You have a greater appreciation for tech support, people. Exactly. I have quite an appreciation for tech support because I was on the other side of the computer. I was uh, chatting with the seven people at the same time, trying to give every person his un- my undivided attention and trying to... Uh, to to give a reasonable response to a question. If it's not a response to a question, it's least it's not if not if it is not an answer to a question, it's a response to a question. Because one of the things which I um, which I believe is very important for 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 any one of us uh, in the rabbinate is not necessarily to uh, answer the question because we're not Google, we don't know have the answers for everything, but it is to respond to the person who asks the question. That's the motto of Ask the Rabbi Now, is don't answer the question, answer the person. Right. It really, it, it, it's a skill that has to be developed. I'm not sure I really developed it fully at the time. It's, uh, it's something that, uh, that takes time. I'm not sure now, I, I'm actually sure that now that I would not have answered many of the people in the same way as I did, you know, uh, 20 years before. Um, certain things that that you answer and that you look at life and you look even at Jewish life and a Jewish lifestyle and you work at the rabbinate you look at very very dogmatic when you're 25 years old and when you're 45 you understand the many many gray many shades of black and shades of white and off white and off black and gray in between yeah for sure you have to answer the person you have to try to understand where they're coming from that's the biggest challenge even uh, even with the ask the rabbi on chabad.org which is email so you go to chabad.org slash ask the rabbi and you submit a question and there's a group of about 10 rabbis and rabbitsons who get these questions delegated to them and 
sometimes the challenge is understanding where the person is coming from, reading between the lines, knowing why they're asking the question. Sometimes it's straightforward. You know, probably 50% of the time it's a straightforward question and there is a straightforward answer and I can choose to just answer the question or I can try to build a relationship with a person and have them come back and have them continue, uh, whether it's, if it's someone that isn't necessarily uh, very religious in their life, maybe they'll come back, maybe they'll learn more. And even from people or even fellow Lubavitchers and sometimes even shluchim log in and ask questions and ask the rabbi. And uh, even then, the answer will vary depending on the circumstances. Just yesterday, I had a question uh, from a person who accidentally cooked his fish with non-kosher wine. And, you know, he wanted to know how non-kosher is wine, actually. So when someone asks a question like that, so it's easy for me to just say, wine is a, uh, without a hechsher is 100% non-kosher and you have to kosher everything and have a nice day. But when someone asks a question like how non-kosher is non-kosher wine actually, that means that they probably need a little bit more information and they need a little bit more hand-holding and they need to be walked through the process more than just saying, I'm sorry, everything is terrific and you have to kosher everything or throw everything out. So the answer is not, is not as important as the approach or the attitude. Questions like that happen all the time. We get a lot of life cycle questions as... Uh, serious as pulling a plug on a person, God forbid, someone in the hospital who the doctors are recommending taking them off life support. So that's not a question that can be answered by email by an anonymous rabbi who you've never met. Always the uh, the response to that is you have to speak to a local rabbi. And if there isn't a local rabbi, then then we serve as the conduit between a live rabbi. Lubavitcher Chabad Rabbanim who, are, who have knowledge in many different areas and if the people that we're in touch with are not able to contact the local rabbi themselves, then we serve as that, as that conduit for them. The benefit of doing it over email versus a live chat is that you have the time. You can tell them, I'll get back to you, or you don't respond to the email right away until you have a, a, clear, a clear question. But yeah, the answer is not necessarily going to be the same for, uh, for one person as it's going to be for someone else. Is there anybody that looks over your 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 answers or checks for errors or sends you back feedback and say rabbi you did the made a big boo-boo you did a mistake you wrote something wrong so there somebody. there are managers yes um i mean my email does go directly to the person so it's not like someone has to see it first but because questions get delegated to me by our manager, um, Mrs. Khani Binyaminson, she's been running the Ask the Rabbi and, and many other aspects of Chabad.org for many years. She'll delegate about 20, 25 questions to me a day. And if there's something that she feels is sensitive that needs to be uh, reviewed, she'll tell me to send her a draft of my response before I send it to the person. That way, even if my draft ends up being fine, but at least it has another pair of eyes to review it before it's sent. Um, I, I've been doing this for almost 15 years now, so I guess they have that feeling of trust for my responses and know that generally I'm okay. But yeah, I've, I've made mistakes. I've had to send follow-up emails apologizing, either a mistake that I realized myself or something that someone later looked over and realized that I made an error. And... There's no shame in, in apologizing. There's no shame in correcting mistakes that you've made. As long as, uh, as, long as you're, you're mature enough to realize that we're all human. And uh, at the end of the day, everybody gains from that. So yeah, there's definitely oversight. I, I, I've learned a lot um, just from the answers that, that I send people. Not always do I know the answers off the tip of my tongue or the tip of my keyboard. As I have to research it. Uh, some of the things are complex and it takes extra research. Some things are simple, but you still have to look it up. And, you know, once in a while, 
the, the questions are easy to find by, uh, by Google. I don't say this that dismissively, but often people will, it's easier to just send an email than to look at things up themselves. Or when they look things up themselves, they aren't sure that the answer that they're getting on Google, and I guess this is a good approach, just because you found something online doesn't mean that it's correct. You still want to confirm with a rabbi. Also, a lot of our responses are... Here's an article on Chabad.org that already addresses your very important question. So never dismiss the question and, and always acknowledge that it's a good question. It's such a good question that it's already been asked so many times that we have an article about it on Chabad.org. So again, it's all about dealing with the person and, and not, not belittling them, not dismissing them, and, almost, and obviously not discouraging them from asking questions. Because asking questions is a good thing. We teach our children on Pesach to always ask questions. Why is Pesach associated with asking questions? Because on Pesach we were liberated, we were freed. And a free people is able to ask questions. People that are not free, people that are in bondage, people that are in slavery, people that are under totalitarian rule are not allowed to ask questions. When you're free, you can ask as many questions as you want. And even if the answer is simple, you know, the, uh, the, 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 worst, the worst answer you can get is that it's, it's an obvious answer. Big deal. So you ask the question and now you know the obvious answer. But if you, know, if you don't ask, if you don't ask the question, you'll never know. So even if the answer is easy to find on Google and even if the answer is easy to find on, on Chabad.org and even if it's such a simple answer that you should remember it from Yeshiva or from Cheder or, or whatever schooling you had, it's still okay to ask because asking is important. You you know it, one of the things that the that the, um, that the Mishnah in Perkevo tells us is Lo Abayshan Lamed. The person should never somebody who's shy can never learn anything because if you forget to ask, if you're embarrassed to ask, you can never learn. And the other the other side of the coin is Lo Hakapdan Melamed. One who gets upset on silly questions cannot be a, a good teacher. Is not a positive teacher because. He doesn't give room for questioning. It's, he's too intimidating as a teacher, and an intimidating teacher can never teach because he could preach but cannot teach. And that, that, that's something that, um, that uh, is something I'm trying to work on myself. Maybe not enough in my own household environment, but I'm trying to work on myself in my... Uh, and that's something that I've been working on myself for the past uh, uh, 20 years. To be who I am, but to chip away on that intimidation part. Not, not to be intimidating. Not to be intimidating. I'm, I'm never shy about asking questions. <laughs> That's uh, not, that was never my. Uh, <laughs> I, I question myself. I question others. I have no, I'm not, no, no, no issues with asking questions. But about not being intimidating, about um, not to dismiss. The question is something that I'm working on. So I remember many, many years ago, um, we had this um, this Chabad rabbi, inter-rabbi uh, email system. I'm not sure if it still works. Achtos or whatever it was called. The rabbis, uh, Chabad rabbis are asking various questions. I think now it boils down to questions about uh, about rental car <laughs> codes. An, e an email exchange, a forum. It was an email exchange, a forum, whatever. And one of the Chabad rabbis wrote a, wrote a question which for me it was completely out of the pale and i responded in very harsh terms of how can you even ask a question like that and my response haunts me to this day i think i did a terrible mistake a terrible disservice for a rabbi which well not all rabbis have uh, maybe the right attitude or what i would consider 
to be the right attitude for a Chabad rabbi. And the question came from a place that maybe he wasn't even given the right instruction or the right training on how to be a rabbi. And for me, it was, well, if this guy's in the rabbinate, well, this is something definitely wrong with the the foundations of, of his convictions as a Chabad rabbi, so to speak. And I, my response was was too harsh, and it haunts me today that maybe I have I I did apologize to him a couple times afterwards, but maybe yet I did send on a public forum a certain uh, sense of well the, asking a question or some questions should not be asked. Right, and, and that's and that's the biggest challenge. You want to be able to answer the question, answer the person, and not be dismissive. That's. Like, like we were saying, if you, if you put someone down for asking a simple question, and I understand that you regretted it, so I'm not talking about you, but if you put someone down for asking a, a, a silly question, then maybe next time they'll have a question that isn't silly and they're not going to ask because of the uncertainty. That's right, that's right. So it, it really has to be the right thing. I, I don't know, I, I, it's something that haunts me till today. So, so, you know, people ask a question. I try to respond even if it's really an obvious answer and even if it is not. And that was something that when when we had, uh, I looked at my time at Ask Moses a couple years ago, I was working for Ask Moses, it really is a training. It it trained me to, to respond in a more positive way and also try to be quick. I had to be quick and coming up with some uh, with, with some of the answers. Right, that was the challenge with Ask Moses: is, is you want to give it the right attention, but because of the speed, sometimes things fall through the cracks. Right, right, right. So it's it's a challenge. You know, another 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 challenge I have with with uh, emails that I get with Ask the Rabbi emails is that you know the f- famous quest story with the uh, I think it was the Rebbe Rashab someone came to him and told him my friend has a certain question and he's embarrassed to ask so he asked me to ask you is it the Rebbe Rashab or the Rebbe Marash and uh, the Rebbe answered he could have your friend could have just come to me and said that my friend had this question implying that the person asking the question was the one that had the issue himself but very often people do come to me with questions about something that someone else did you, we have to also parse it and, 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 and figure out, determine if the person is actually concerned about something that someone else did or something that they're asking about themselves, but they're just phrasing it about someone else. And even when it is actually about someone else, not always can you be dismissive of that. Because um, the, the, the knee-jerk reaction is, why are you asking me a question about what some, something that someone else did? It's their business. It's none of your business. And uh, if they're concerned, let them come ask me about it. You know, it, it also happens that people come to Chabad.org and when they send an email to ask the rabbi at Chabad.org, they think they're contacting Chabad headquarters. So if they're upset about something that a certain shliach did or if a certain Chabad rabbi or a Chabad house did, they figure we're going to send an email to let them know about something that this uh, rabbi did. That, that, that's, a, that's a challenge in and of itself because oh, sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're, they're, their issue with their shliach is, is correct. But you know, very often it could be resolved by the by them just being open about it and contacting the shliach directly and asking him, "Hey, uh, can you please explain why you did this or or why we're do why you're behaving in this way?" Right. But also, there's, there's an issue that people have with uh, with other religious Jews. Sometimes an email comes from a non-religious Jew says, "Hey, I, I have an acquaintance or a friend or someone I know who's religious is from and he does such and such. Is this true? Is is he doing it correctly?" And sometimes you can tell that the, that they're coming to you 
after an argument that they had with someone mm -hmm. and each person uh, has their position and then one of them comes to me and says is it true that the, this and this is correct and without knowing the background it's a challenge because sometimes I can say yes it's correct but then it turns out that the reason they're asking is because it's something that someone else did or it's because they want to one-up a friend or a, or a colleague in an argument so that, that's all part of the challenge of, of answering questions without speaking to the person and without seeing them and without knowing them I don't have the perfect solution for that but sometimes before I answer any questions, I ask for more details. Why are you asking this question? Uh, what are the circumstances? Uh, who, who is asking the question? Where are you? If it's a communal issue, sometimes people ask questions about running a minion uh, or uh, something in a shul. So let, tell me more about your community. Tell me more about your shul. Do you have a rabbi? What denomination? And so on. Just so that we know what to answer. Because... You know, obviously, uh, any answer that we give, especially if it's coming from Chabad.org, even if I don't intend it to be, will, can be viewed as an official Chabad position. So it's important to, uh, to say things the right way and to be politically correct. Uh, very often, responses that I've emailed people ended up on the Internet, uh, on different forums. Sometimes people come to us after having a conversation on a forum and they say, you know what, let's go ask Chabad.org and they'll send us the question. My response, which is, you know, sometimes an innocuous and innocent response, ends up being plastered on a on an internet forum about a uh, about a topic that I didn't even know was going on. Right. So uh, it's a challenge. That's what it's a challenge, and that's why I try. I'm not always good at it, but I try to ask questions to the questioner to just get an idea to parse and to figure out what exactly the uh, the issue is and where they're coming from, what the background is. Right. But and, and I remember one of the things that I that I. Um, one of the things that happened, uh, I, I answered, I, a woman asked me a question and then it was a wrong, I gave her an answer, which was a wrong answer. Um, one of the supervisors in Ask Moses uh, pointed out that I gave the wrong answer. So he said that I should write an answer, I should write an apology and say that whatever I wrote was, was wrong, was a mistake. I get a mail from her husband saying, what was the question? <laughs> and then I got stuck. Maybe the, the lady asked me a question in private. It was a private conversation. Am I allowed to disclose it to her husband? Maybe it's going to cause a rift. Maybe they had a discussion before and that there is something now that they have to um, sort of work out in between them. Right, and now you're getting in, involved in a domestic exactly, issue. and that's uh, that's really definitely not what I am uh, what I am trying to try to do. So, it really, was a very very challenging uh, how to get out of it. I did not give the husband the answer. I did not uh, tell uh, tell him what was the question and what we discussed. I did say that if his wife comes back on to chat, I will tell her um, that to discuss it with her husband. But it was uh, it was quite a challenge. Something uh, I think about it often. Another part of uh, Ask the Rabbi is responding to comments on the actual website, because the articles have comment sections. They're moderated, so not every comment that people submit gets posted. Mrs. Benjaminson moderates and goes through every single piece of. 
feedback, whether it's an email or a comment, and she'll determine that something is worthy of being posted on the website. And by the way, things that are comments that are posted, it's moderated, but not everything is necessarily um, things we would agree with because it's in the comment section and people have their names associated with it. So very often it's not something that's necessarily not not, not necessarily something that Chabad.org would agree with. But then she'll send me the the incident and say, can you respond to this online comment? Sometimes, sometimes that leads to longer discussions and conversations with with uh, with people, and and because once it's posted on the website, it's there for a perpetuity. It's it stays on there forever. People will will sometimes reach out to me offline about something that I commented there, and I need to rack my brain and try to remember what the circumstances were and and why I commented that. Somebody recently, I'm not going to get into the actual subject because it's a controversial subject, but the, someone asked a question about a certain halachic issue that there is controversy even within Chabad about what the... Uh, about what the ruling is, and I posted my understanding of what the Alter writes in Shulchan Aruch, and it was approved by the moderators, so at least uh, I know that I wasn't just posting my own information, but 45 years later, I got an email from someone who's on the other side of this halachic issue, and he's try- he wants to argue with me. Mm-hmm. He wants to argue his position against what I had written in the comment section on Chabad.org, and I was very open with him. I told him, I know that you have a, have a very uh, strong position on this, and I don't have the time or the energy to get into this conversation with you, but I do appreciate your uh, your commitment to your to your position. Whether or not I agree with it is uh, is, is not the point. But uh, it's all it's all part of uh, being able to answer a question on in a specific case. And like you said, not be dismissive. Uh, we encourage people to ask questions. Um, we try, we do our best to give the uh, best answers. And the same is also with, uh, within our communities. People ask questions. People ask uh, good questions. Some people ask better questions. In our families, our children ask questions. Our children uh, need the time of day. Our children need to be answered to. Our spouses need to be responded to with sensitivity and and respect. Give them, uh, give the, give everyone the time of day. If someone has the uh, to, has the audacity or the guts to ask a question and to put themselves out there, then the least we can do is give them the time of day and respond to them like a mensch. And that's across the board. It's everywhere. I'll just end up with. Uh two things. One, my, my son Yuda is a, is a very, very curious boy. Anybody who sits at the Shabbos table gets bombarded with like 50 to 150 questions on anything. It depends wow. on what is, what is, what's his job. If he's an architect, he'll find it. He'll ask questions on how can, can uh, two floors hang on each other and what is the amount of cement you need in order to balance it. Well, a whole bunch of questions. If you're a pilot, you're going to find out about your planes. Everybody at the question, at, at the Shabbos table, some you can have 30 people. Everybody has to listen to his endless stream of questions on any topic in the world. And um, and sometimes people are amazed. Why is an eleven-year-old kids asking people economists about the economy and about the Turkish lira and the value of a dollar, and uh, asking a historian about uh, George Washington and about uh, Abraham Lincoln and a whole bunch of things like that? And after he asks his questions, he also tells them his his opinions on it. It is quite amazing. But um, I have a lot of nachas from his asking question because one of my most favorite quotes of uh, from Rabbi Jonathan Sachs was. In Judaism, we're not afraid of questions. We're afraid of answers. Questions are welcome. It's okay to ask a question. Answers are dangerous. Because if a person 
feels that he has the answer for everything or that his answer is the ultimate answer or that his response is always what makes it and what breaks it and he has the truth in his hand or in his tongue or in his or in his pen that is something to be scared of not of questions questions are natural natural to have questions it's something which is very normal for a person to have and i think that questions are are important it's what makes us human being it's what makes us uh thinking people a thinking person is one who asks questions who doubts things in order to understand them and take them in himself so ask questions always ask questions I have a great, I have another, another great story for that, but we're out of time, so it's gonna be stay for la, for next time when we're here. All right, next week, Amir Good to talk, good talking to you, Eliezer. Take I'm care. So, I'm glad this worked out finally. <laughs>